Hey everybody, in this week's edition of Guys Talking Sports, definitely going to get into some NBA talk. Um, the Nets hiring Steve Nash. Um, who do we think are going to make it into the Eastern and Western Conference Finals? And of course, with NFL starting on Thursday, we're definitely going to talk about the game and talk about our early predictions um, for some um, NFC and AFC winners. All that, some jokes, a little bit more on this week of Guys Talking Sports. Hey everybody and welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports. We are in month, I want to say seventh of our current pandemic. Um, we've got past the summer, um, right on the little tip of the summer, kind of sliding into the fall and September. Um, lots of stuff going on. NBA playoffs are still going on. Football is going on. College football kind of had a I guess you want to call it the um, junior varsity startup last weekend <laughs> with the big boys not slated to start to the end of the month. Um, baseball is still going, even though I kind of forgot that they were. Um, however, let's get right down to it, fellas. How are you doing this evening? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, it's fantasy football draft time, so I do apologize for my tardiness, but I was in the middle of a uh, a very heated draft, and I had to make sure that I got my ducks in a row. Uh, so I'm here, ready to get started. As am I. I didn't only had, I only played one fantasy football. Um, it's just my usual with the rest of my crew here. So um, outside of that, I'm ready to get started as well. I got a lot to talk about in sports. And for people, if you didn't recognize those deep bass voices, that was Big Ace first. And Q, second, I forgot to introduce you guys properly, so that's on me. It's all good, man. It's all good. <laughs> so there's a, so a lot, definitely a lot going on in the sports world. Um, a little bit of football, a little bit of baseball, some basketball. But I want to start off the, um, the talk, um, fellas. Um, even though the playoffs are going on right now, and I think um, Boston is, might be ahead of, of Toronto, of the Raptors in overtime, the Nets found their coach. A new coach, unproven coach, a coach with no head experience. That is former Phoenix Suns Steve Nash. Um, he was signed to a four-year contract, and he'll be the head coach for, um, for the Nets going into the next four years, coaching Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And before we even get started, I want to give my sympathies to him for having to coach one of the most fickle people, fickle two people, in history of the NBA. Um, but as we know, there was some talk about it. Some people had some glowing praises for him. Some other people had some head scratchers and some people had a little less glowing praises for him. So guys, just before we get to all the rest of the stuff, what are your thoughts on Steve Nash being picked as the, um, the new Nets head coach? Uh, I'm going to default to, the, to the, Brooklyn, the Brooklyn head up in the room. Let him uh, voice his opinion and see what he says. You know, it's funny because I was going to defer to you <laughs> to get your thoughts about it. But I guess I, I should go first. Um, I'm going to read real quick about it because, you know, I, when we last week when we had this, when we had our podcast, like the following day or I think a couple of days maybe after that, um, that's when this announcement broke out. Um, 
I had some thoughts about it, had some reservations, listened to everybody's opinions. Um, thought Stephen A was was on the same page of where I was initially in regards to how I felt about Stephen Nash, Steve Nash being the um, head coach. Um, but I will say this, as a Brooklyn Nets fan, uh, I have to get this off my chest. Um, to be honest, I'm completely, I feel as though Steve Nash right now would have been the perfect fit for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I will say this. I, I understand um, some of the critics about, you know, how you're going to choose an unproven person to coach a team like the Brooklyn Nets um, when there's so many other coaches out there. And we could talk about diversity um, in coaching in the NBA. Um, but I'm going to be honest with you, there is an issue with lack of diversity with the book, I mean, with the NBA. But in this particular case, in this particular moment, for this particular hire, I don't see it. Um, I don't see it because for this particular reason, I thought that Steve Nash was a good, uh, to be honest, a great hire. Because it, outside of the lack of experience, of coaching experience, it provided two things. It provided a camaraderie, a chemistry um, with Kevin Durant that was solely needed. And it provided something that Kyrie Irving, even as great as he is, um, can, can pro um, it provided an experience that Kyrie Irving needs. And that is playing more of a team chemistry role. I'm not saying that he doesn't do it, but I'm saying that it would be much more beneficial for both the star players in both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So I thought that in all purposes, when I was when I ranted about Kenny Atkinson being let go, and when I said before about how, you know, if they're going to do this, they need to bring in a championship coach um, to build a championship team. Um, I will have to say this now, thinking about this hire, I think that if anything, this was more of I'm not saying he's a championship coach because he lacks the experience but he fits all the pieces that Brooklyn Nets need in a head coach. He's a player development coach similar to Kenny Atkinson, and he has the chemistry with KD and what he can do with Kyrie. He's going to have that respect. So from a player standpoint, from a player coaching standpoint, he fits all those pieces. And I was thinking to myself, how are they going to replace a player development coach in Kenny Atkinson, which – in terms of going in years down the road. And quite honestly, I think that that's what they did with Steve Nash. He is a player development coach, um, which is why I thought it was a, another good thing for them to keep Jacques Vaughn in the high, as, as the lead assistant coach because he still provides the offense and the defensive um, set that was there. I didn't want Jacques Vaughn to be the head coach going forward. That I made abundantly clear because his record alone wasn't enough in a head coaching experience for me to think that Jacques Vaughn would have been, should have been a head coach. But I digress. I thought that this was in terms of a great hire because what it is is like a Zen moment. It's similar to what they did with Steve Kerr when he got introduced as the head coach to Golden State. So it's no different from that. It's no different from Phil Jackson being coming into the mix and being that Zen master. So I think he's going to keep the team online. I think that overall, if it makes KD and Kyrie happy down the road, it's going to make everybody else happy and it's going to benefit them going forward. So I think overall, this was a good hire. I went, the only thing that was lacking was the lack of experience. Outside of that, I think it still was a great hire. And I think a lot of Brooklyn Nets fans think the same way as well. So as far as the lack of diversity and everything like that, 
I get it, but it's just not for this Brooklyn Nets. At this point, um, it didn't benefit Mark. I mean, I don't see Mark Jackson having that same benefit. I don't see Nate McMillan being that key piece. I don't see any of those diversified coaches in there would have helped the situation more so than what Steve Nash could do because he has that chemistry with KD. He can do what he can do with the other players. So I think overall, this was a great move. I, I, I have no problems. Originally, originally, there were some reservations, but overall, I don't think for this particular case, there was no problem. As a Brooklyn Nets fan, I'm actually quite happy. I have to agree. Um, I think it was a good choice. I'm not mad at what Stephen A. Smith put out there. Because you don't find too many coaches. Like I can't remember his name, uh, but the kid really led uh, Brooklyn here in the playoffs, and he did a good job. Yes, Karras. Okay. Um, So you have a solid three. Uh, to build with and a solid nucleus around them. Uh, and Kyrie signed off on it, so he played against the two of them, you know, so he's familiar with the, the, the two of the players. So I can see how this could be a good match. Um, I think they're going to do all right, but I still believe that this team is I'm sorry, not deep in the playoffs in his first season as coach. I think there will be a, a significant problem moving forward, you know, because these jokers don't have any affinity to a team. The coaches, staff, and kind of move forward. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys both. I mean, I can understand what some people's first reaction would have been, you know, to go the way that Stephen A. Smith initially said, being how we're kind of in this heightened awareness of, you know, being more inclusive of minorities. However, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there have been people who, um, of color who have been hired with no coaching experience in regards, many things come to mind is, um, you have to think of Jason Kidd. Um, he was hired with no real coaching experience. Um, you have to think of um, former point guard of the Los Angeles Lakers, now coach of the Los Angeles Sparks, um, whose name escapes me right Not now. Not Derek. Derek Fisher <laughs> was hired as a coach and no coaching experience. So this is even Magic Johnson was hired to coach the Gunthorne um, Lakers for a spell with no coaching experience, even though that was a mitigated disaster. Um, so it's it's not the first time. Um, however, I mean, um, it remains to be seen. I mean, there are a lot of qualified, you know, coaches of color out there. 
that deserve, you know, a nod. So when you see someone that kind of has no coaching experience and their color being what it was, of course, it's going to be the first thing you're going to, you know, it's going to pop into your mind. But this is not the first time this has happened. Who knows? He may turn out to be good and relationships do matter. Like you said, he had a good relationship with Kevin Durant. So we'll see how it turns out. And it, and a side note is is that um a lot of people don't know about this about with Brooklyn, but Sean Marks was trying to recruit Steve Nash for the longest. So this is not like this is just a, a a thing that you know he just picked him out of the blue or anything like that. They've really been trying to recruit him for a while. Um, even when Kenny Atkinson was like go, they was still pushing to try and bring Steve Nash in. So it, this is not like you know, just out of out of the mills, like out of the fly type of thing. They've been pursuing of Steve Nash for a while now. Um, and it was just a matter of him saying, you know what, I do want to get into the coaching industry. Um, but, you know, he was reluctant to do it until now. So um, this was not like a, 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 a last minute thing. This is a hire that they've been trying, Sean Marks has been trying to get for the longest. Um, if not Popovich, like the rumors were about that, but it they was definitely their eyes were definitely on Steve Nash for a while. And who who's who exactly is Iron Popovich at this time? Philly. That wouldn't be a, that wouldn't be a uh, bad look. Without they're probably not going to go that route. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I don't see Pop going any place that does not have that he doesn't have ties to. Um, at this point, it does. I mean, I really don't see Philly has any ties to him. I know that Brooklyn has ties to him because of the the Sean Marks situ- the Sean Marks thing, but outside of that, I really don't see any other teams out there um, that are available that has some type of coaching ties to. Okay. Well, I mean, it definitely it definitely has brought some pop and pizzazz to um, the Nets right now, and, and hopefully, come next season, whenever that season starts, whether it be this year or next year, we'll see how their relationship with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, because that's going to really be, you know, what's going to, you know, make this thing go. Um, so we we'll definitely see how that how that goes. Um, but moving on, um, definitely the playoffs are. are on strong right now, and I believe that Boston and Toronto are in double overtime as we speak. Uh-huh. Um, but yesterday, the Greek Freak and the Milwaukee Bucks took an early exit. Um, well, of course, we know that the Greek Freak sprained his ankle in game four, and uh-huh. he didn't play, which is a good thing because he didn't want to you know, risk any damage. And I guess at the end of the day, I guess it was probably the best thing to do. Uh, but now that Milwaukee has had this um, the league's best record for the second year and bounced early in the second year. And the Greek freak is going to get probably his second consecutive MVP two in a row. Um, there has been some talks that he might leave. So do you guys think he's going to leave or do you think he's actually going to stay and try to build upon what they already have? Um. <clears throat> I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, I don't think he's gonna leave. Um, I think they're. I think they're gonna offer it to him. I think he may accept the max, supermax, um, whatever his extension is at this stage. The point is that whatever they do, they definitely gotta shore up that bench, or find another starter, another star player to play alongside Giannis. Um, 
Don't get me wrong. Chris Middleton showed up game four, game five, but it's not enough. And they need a third person, someone there to help out in case this happens again or, God forbid, if it happens again. They need a third star. They need a, a, a super team, um, bottom line, because Giannis can't do it by himself. He can't do everything by himself. And to be honest, quite honest, in this particular series, he wasn't doing it. He was, I mean, he was trying to do everything he can, and he still wasn't enough. They just got overplayed by Miami, bottom line. Miami was a full of grimy people, players, that did what they were supposed to do and did their job. So I think that at the end, Milwaukee needs to focus on re- rebuilding, not rebuilding, but um, picking up a couple of pieces here, make some trades, and they'll be right back into the hunt. There's, there's not a question about that. But they need outside shooting. They need some consistent outside shooting. That is true. Um, who could they get? Who could they find a free agency? <clears throat> and they need to find one in the draft, too. They could sit there and knock down open J's for them. And somebody who, when John, you know, when uh, Giannis is sitting on the bench, can at least keep pace with what's going on. If they were to, tr- I don't know if they they have the capital to make a trade, but I did hear what the CP3, possibly them going after CP3 to go over to, and play point guard for them. That might be a good look. Not only will that be a good look, that will put them over the hump. The championship? Not, not for the championship, but definitely for the Eastern Conference. Right. That will put them over the hump. A CPT, Giannis, Chris Middleton, that will put them over the hump. That's a big three right there. That will put them over the hump. And you got Brooke Lopez who can shoot outside shots. That will put them over the hump. But, that they, will, still, but they still need a two that can sit there and hit shots. Well, if you got Chris Middleton there and CPT shooting outside jumpers, you really don't – I mean, you can let that go for now because they, they do hit their outside shots. They really need to show up that bench. That's where their bread and butter needs to be because all jokes aside, um, them playing Marvin Willis at um, – Marv, Marvin – goodness, I lost his name. Marvin Williams at the five after Brooke Lopez, that's, that wasn't going to cut it. That wasn't going to cut think, it. What do you think Eric Bledsoe is that piece? For their two. <clears throat> I, yeah. I, no. no. Yeah, I'll try to give the benefit of the doubt. But I will say this, CB3 is definitely an upgrade over, over um, Bledsoe. But then the question is, again, what are you giving up? And who are you going to get for that to work? That's really what the true question is. Well, I'm assuming Bledsoe will be the first piece that they're going to give up. Oh, you mean for like a, a you mean a blood like a Bledsoe CP three type of trade? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Without question, they need a. Well, to be honest, they really don't need a. Um, they really don't need a point guard to back up. They have enough with um, Schroeder and uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. So to be honest, they wouldn't need they wouldn't need a point guard in return. Like they could trade some key pieces you get some key pieces in return like if they trade away um cp3 you know they can get some key pieces in return from walkie that will help them like they really don't need a point guard okay he doesn't you think they will you think they but the question is well, I was gonna say, right, you, 
you, you think they would give up uh, Chris Middleton? No. Nah. Hmm. I wouldn't. Hmm. So if that was the case, I don't see them getting rid of, of course, Giannis, Chris Middleton, maybe Brooke Lopez. Um, but I would not be surprised if anybody else is expendable. Yeah, my, my opinion is the way that – well, they – to be honest, when they decided to give, um, not give Brogdon any money and gave it, you know, to the other kid, that That's was mistake number one. They missing Brogdon. That's um, who they're missing. Chris, That's Chris they're Middleton. Missing. That's is, what it is. Yep. Chris Middleton is good, but he ain't your number two. He's more like a number three. They need a star comparable to Giannis. And the reason why is because Giannis has yet to develop a jump shot. So he limits himself severely. All he is is puts his head down and go to the basket, which means you need a wing player or someone that's going to be able to get his own shot. You almost have to think of Giannis as Shaq. Yeah, yeah. And he needs a Kobe or Dwayne Wade type player that's just as good, um, maybe not better, but just as good to be able to create his own shot set up shots for him because Giannis doesn't have a jumper, which is surprising because most guys from Europe, Europe have jumpers. Even um, Luca's jumper is a little sp sporadic at times, but he at least has one that you have to sort of respect. Giannis has no jumper that you respect at all. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Luca got a sporadic jump shot? <laughs> he sort of sporadic. sporadic. Oh, okay. All right, my bad. Sorry. No, it ain't, it, 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 you know, he ain't shooting it like Steph Curry, all right? Let's, I, I'm not giving oh, well, him that. Nobody shoots like Steph. Nobody shoots like Steph. <laughs> I mean, he has a jumper, but it's it can be sporadic at times, but it's not like an automatic, like a Dirk or, you know, or even, dare I say, um, the unicorn. <laughs> the unicorn. <laughs> Which I think his jumper is a little bit, you know, sweeter than Luca's at this particular point. Um, no, yeah, yeah but... um. I'm saying, they need a player. I don't know what they're going to get out there. If I'm Giannis, I wouldn't sign. They're going to offer him the max. He, to me, it's no incentive to sign the max now um, because, the A, the salary cap is going to be a little bit lower going into next year. So that cap number is going to be slightly lower, and that means your contract isn't going to be as much. You can wait a year, and then things can kind of, you know, uptick you can get more money. But of him, I would sign a maybe a, a two-year deal with a one-year-out option extension. So that'll give you three years. Well, let me ask this. Do you think it's the coach more so than the players? Do you think the coach needs to go from Milwaukee? Probably both. Then who would you bring in as a coach? Ty Lue? Uh, Mark Jackson? <laughs> Well, we keep going about this the same well, But I'm just saying, experienced coaches that went out there and, you know, been to the playoffs or been to the championships, who would you bring in? You just said you just said I'm experienced coach you. right from uh, the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, pop. I wouldn't be mad at that. That's if. That's, that's a, big a big if. I agree. You know. That's a big yes. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you um, because there is a lot of coaches out there. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I really would have to look long and deep into who's available 
and I will think long and hard before I make a decision. Um, and I'm saying all coaches, like all jokes aside, because Milwaukee's in a position where they can, they just need something to get them over that hump. And if it's a coach, then they got to make sure they get that right coach because if they don't get that right coach and Giannis and them still doesn't have a championship, let alone make it to the NBA finals with the talent that they have, it's a problem. And it's not just the coach. It's also the GM. GMs need to take some responsibility for what they're doing. Number one, the GM, whoever, I forgot the GM's name, but when you didn't sign Brogdon back to the fold, that alone should have been your strike point. Yeah, and giving the money to Eric Bledsoe, who was good in his own right, but Brogdon was the better choice. Bottom, yeah, definitely. Like, if you had Brogdon playing with Chris Middleton, um, Giannis, Brooke Lopez, whoever is playing at the um, three at the same, at that time, there would be definitely a lot more. It would have been a lot more of a competitive nature if Giannis when Giannis went down, without question. And I'm not saying as a knock of Eric Bledsoe. I'm just saying Brockton was that cock, especially on the bench that was giving them what they needed to get, as far as buckets was concerned. He was providing that bench scoring. Once he lost that bench scoring, that set them back. Would you could Milwaukee settle for a thirty-three going on thirty-four Rajon Rondo for a one-year deal if they weren't able to sign or get uh, our boy from OKC? Uh, I would. If he can stay healthy. I don't know. I don't know if I would do that. Rondo was more like that, almost like a cherry on a piece of the pie, not the one that I want to rely on, you know, full season and go into the, you know, full season and the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, there, I mean, I get where you're coming from, but there's some guards out there that you can make a trade for that will help, you know, mm-hmm. booster. And to be honest, it don't even have to be a starter. Um, it could be a person off the bench. Um, someone that's a six-man guarantee. Right. So um, I, that's why I keep saying, like, I, I'm not saying Bledsoe, getting rid of Bledsoe would would work for them, but I will say that they still need to trade some somebody to get some more assets and some more upgrade, as you would say, as far as that is concerned. Because until that's done, Milwaukee's going to still be in the same position. Like, you can look at Miami. Like, Miami has a bunch of, hard-nosed players that they was, their whole defense was grind. And <laughs> Jimmy Butler, man, I you got to give kudos where kudos is due. Like, when the time came, they showed and proved. And Jimmy Butler was like, yeah, you, people need to understand, we got some players here. And rightfully so. They do got some players there. And every time I hear him say something like that, it reminds me to when he was in Minnesota and beat the starters with the third stringers. And, you know, he was saying, you know, I, we give, you know, give me a good amount of players, and I'll show you how good we can be. And he showed improvement. Yeah, Jimmy Butler against the that, best team in the Eastern Conference. Jimmy Butler's that dude, <laughs> and everybody thought he was crazy. Well, not crazy, but just talking all that crap. And he, uh, mm-hmm. he went out there and showed what a, a collection of uh, who is that? And you said who and what? 
And now they're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> whoever they whoever they play, and I think Toronto won in double overtime. Um, but whoever they're going to play in the Eastern Conference Finals, they're going to have a series on their hands because the Miami Heat going to bring it every game. And they got better outside shooting in both Boston and Toronto. That's the thing. And well, the thing, okay. Now I'm just going to say that, you know, basketball is all – if we can take a page out of the WNBA, you know, not everything needs to be played at the hoop. Not everything needs to be played above the rim. If you can hit a, if you can hit a consistent J and have a mid-range game, that's the way you win ball games. That's the way Miami is winning ball games. <laughs> and it just goes to show that if you got some some shooters that can shoot and make shots, you're gonna win because you got to respect the shooters. And if you respect the shooters, that leaves the middle wide open, and nobody had bigs anymore. And that's the problem yeah. with the game. There's no more bigs. <laughs> Everybody's well, playing yeah. small ball. Well, you gotta also understand with Miami, they do have now. Uh, uh, I mean, Gene Butler's that dude, but they do have an all-star now, Bam Alabama. So um, now that he's an all-star now, he's but well, how tall is he? Now you're gonna ask you that question. Um, I'm, just, I'm just saying, there's there's no seven footers that are dominant. There's no, how there's tall no, is who? Bam. Bam is what six nine, six ten. I think six nine, six nine. Yeah, and and he's probably playing center. Yep. So that's what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? If you got to respect mid-range and if you're relying on a bunch of 6'6", six, six, the 6'9", six, players, the 6'10", players to get rebounds, think if you had four people that could sit there and hit mid-range, could drive to the hoop, you got a damn good point guard, but then you got a seven-footer that could sit there and bang? Damn, now you're talking about taking it back to the 90s type of, type of era, type of basketball, when you have a complete team. And that will be unstoppable. <laughs> I, I get you. I get you. But like I said, this, I you have to give credit where credit is due because they added the pieces that they needed and now they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. Fifth seed going into the Eastern Conference Finals, beating a one seed, beating a four mm -hmm. seed, no, beating a six, no, one, two, three, four, beating a, yeah, four seed. So you have to give credit where credit is due. Like they they did what they needed to do and it was necessary. And now they're in the Eastern Conference Finals and now they gotta wait the winner of Toronto and Boston, who now like you said, smooth is a game seven game now. So I, I don't know who's gonna win this one. I, I I I always thought it was gonna be Boston, but I don't know now. <laughs> yeah, for the fact that Toronto will win the last two game last two games, three games to be honest. They won the last three games because it was 3 0, right? No, it was 2 0. No, it was 2 0. Oh, it was 2 0, and then they tied it to, they made it 2 1. Two, right? And then they went up 3 2, and now it's 3 3. Okay. All right. So, yeah, this is, I mean, at this stage, I think Boston better, best works against um, Miami. They will give them a better run. If Toronto was in this, if, if Toronto wins the series um, against Boston, I don't see them surviving against Miami. I don't, I don't see, see either. either one. I don't see either one. Oh, uh, uh, I think I think I think Boston has better 
Um, better match it. Correct. You you're absolutely correct. They have a better matchup against Miami. It's really Miami's defense against Boston's quote unquote offense with perimeter offense against perimeter defense. But, but I don't outside see, I of that. See, but I don't see but, nobody matching Miami's shooting. See that's, no, I'm that's not saying. But I, I, I see get what, what you're saying. saying. About, right, but I don't see nobody matching that shooting. I don't even see anybody in the West matching that shooting. <laughs> Well, it's not the shooting you got to worry about. It's how, how you play the shooting at you that, that will be the key. Um, Correct. Well, I think, I mean, the way you put it now, you're saying Miami Heat is going to win the champ, win the chip. I don't think they are. I don't think they can beat. Who? I, they're capable of beating Boston or Toronto. I'll give you that. They're not capable of beating whether it's going to be the Clippers or the Lakers. Definitely not the, uh, not, not the Lakers. Ah. Uh, I don't know. I don't about know that. about that. I did. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Yeah, you don't. Well, that's, that's, what, that's what we disagree. They're good, but I don't think you know they're capable of taking the Lakers or the Clippers and beating them in a seven-game series. So I don't. I don't think the moment is too big for that group. It ain't the moment. I think when you get down to it, is how it's the matchups. I mean, really. And Lakers is going to mess himself up because it's not LeBron James that needs to be the player, and it drives me crazy. It's AD that needs to be the man. And LeBron James needs to be almost the number two because you have nobody that can match it with this seven-footer, whether he brings you out or brings you in. There's really nobody. Who, who, who from the Heat is really going to match it with AD if AD's on his game? Haslin? Abadou? Neither one of them, really. Olay. And they do have to, and they when they do play defense, which is not they don't play consistent defense, they can play the, the wings a bit better. But the Clippers can play outside shooting in the wings a lot better than the Lakers. They just been, they've been awful, you know these these entire series. No, but that's entire why playoffs. I said. But that's why I said, um, out of all, to be honest. I get where you're coming from, but I think that out of all the teams, I can see the Clippers giving them the most fits if they're on their games. If if they play the Lakers, I, I, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. I could see Miami coming away with the series win. To Ooh. be honest with you, because I'm not saying that they will. I'm just saying I could see it because they played th- that perimeter defense with Miami. They lock people down, so you gotta give credit where credit is due. And I'm saying this because I think that you're right. Maybe, I mean, Butler and LeBron is going to be, in a way, canceling out each other to some extent. The problem is going to be between AD and who's going to start stick AD. But they do have Olenek. Olenek is pretty much the same, plays the same type of style as AD. He's not as good as AD, but he has that same <laughs> type of style. So... Yeah. I could see them going back and forth. I, I could see a couple of people that they have there that will benefit from that. Um, the only question I would have off, off that is because if Lakers utilize their full bigs to the entirety and their bigs is working, then it'll be trouble for Miami. But Miami has that perimeter D that could just – if they may lock down LeBron – I mean, they may lock down everybody but LeBron and AD, but it'll be enough to get them the win that they need. You see what I'm saying? So I think that Miami has that perimeter D on lock, without question. 
I agree. And oh. they, you know, and I, and if LeBron had to lock up uh, with uh, what's the old dude's name from Miami? Um, Jimmy? Jimmy? Yeah, Jimmy Butler. If LeBron had to take on Butler and AD had to take on whatever big that's assigned with him, you know, he may want to switch off. Who's going to sit there and guard Hero? Hero. Or Duncan. Who? And Duncan. Right. And, I mean, Rajon Rondo is, yeah, you know, his offense is stepping up, but his defense has never been the one to sit there and say, oh, Rajon is that dude. That's what Tom Kuzma got to gotta, gotta, gotta earn, gotta earn his keep. But has Kuzma ever been that joker to be playing that defense? He can. He doesn't do he it all. Yeah. He, I'm, he's, he's no slouch. I mean, he can. Yeah. No, I agree. Shut, he can't. But he got to shut down one or the other. He can't do both. But, but the problem is, is that – I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to see the moment. But the problem is, is that the Lakers is, oh, have a tendency to get in their own way. And if they don't get out of their own if, – if they're out of their own way, then mm -hmm. it shouldn't be a problem for them where it be competitive. But once they're in their way and start messing up things like turnovers and stuff like that, that's what's going to create the problem. And Miami can do that in regards to creating turnovers for their teams. So – all it needs to do is just take a couple of turnovers to get it going for Miami. And that's all it takes. And if the Lakers don't get it and lock it down where they're not, they're quote unquote turnover free, then they'll have that chance. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And like I said, Ace, I, Miami Heat, yeah, they, they're very capable. They, they definitely could win it. Um, I think their chances fare far a little bit better if they were to play the Toronto Raptors. Than, yeah. than the Boston Celtics, but as far as going in, um, but I would but love like to a, see, I would love to see a Boston Miami match, uh, matchup. To be honest, that would be good. I, I think it would be great for the Eastern Conference because I'd love to see Tatum and them boys go up against Jimmy Butler and them boys, and and it would be it would be nice for uh, what's what's my what's the point guard name for Boston? Um, Kimba. Kimba, it would really put Kimba in that spotlight where he was the man at UConn back in the day to really see if he is that player that could put them over the hump versus a Kyrie. And Kyrie, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not saying Kyrie couldn't have led this team, but Kyrie's head is just too goddamn big to sit there and let those players outside of Kyrie be great on Boston, whereas Kemba is letting them be great and still be great on his own. That's the only difference. So I'm curious to see if Kemba can lead that same team. Could he lead them to, to greater heights than if there was a healthy Kyrie? Well, he, he's doing it so far. <laughs> Kyrie was never really healthy. I, he was healthy the first season, but the second season, you know, are we talking mentally or, or, or physically? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of both. I will say this. Um, to be honest, Kimball today was um, had five points, two from 11 shooting. Um, that's not going to cut it. And uh, if Kimba really wants to get out of that shadow, Game seven needs to be his game. But he Without question. Huh? 
but he's not going to – He's. I, I personally don't believe, you know, when he was in Charlotte, that would be his game. That would be his game every game because he didn't believe he had players around him to help him win while he was in Charlotte. Yeah. No, no, I get that. Um, no, I get where you're going because he has more pieces around him in Boston. Jason right. Tatum is a star. Jalen Brown is a is a great player. Marcus Smart even played well. My point is that even though he still was two for eleven, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like if he was three for eleven, they would be in the Eastern Conference Finals. You, you, I mean three for ten, they would be in the Eastern Conference Finals. You got to do better than where you at. You can't shoot eighteen percent in this game and expect to be that person, you know what I'm saying, going forward. Yes, I agree that you are a key piece to the Boston Celtics, but they need you to come better than 18% from the field. That's where I'm coming from. Like, just having five points in 51 minutes playing, I'm looking at the stats. 51 minutes played, you only have five points. That wouldn't be Kyrie. <laughs> and that's my point. Like, and, <laughs> and that's my point. Like, that's something that you got to come better with. And I know Kimba knows that. I'm not, you know, not knocking that. You know, he probably had an off game, but I'm pretty sure he'll be prepared for game seven. And that's all it takes. Well, the one thing I know for definitely for sure, by the time we meet up next n- next sports series, uh, one of these two teams is not going to be playing. <laughs> and we're going to be in the midst of, at the very least, Eastern Conference Finals, if not both Eastern and Western Conference Finals. I think uh, the Lakers and the Clippers are going to wrap this series up. Uh, Lakers better not let the, the Houston Rockets <laughs> linger around. <laughs> they, better, they better go ahead and, and take care of business. Um, and I will say this about before we, before we switch. Um, whatever defensive play that, you know, James Harden had at, in the last game of Game 7 – no, that does not erase what the hell happened over the last couple of years. He still stunk it up every time he got to the finals in the big game. He still stunk it up when he was against the Golden State Warriors twice. Um, so his track record in the regular season is magnificent. His track record in the playoffs when it comes down to the big game stinks. And he stunk that game seven, and he got very goddamn lucky that he got a block Um, Because the dude that he got the block on was roasting his ass on the offense and had him on lock on the defense. So to me, until you win the chip or you don't let a series go to the game seven and you just go quietly in the night, your reputation, in in my opinion, still shitty. Great regular season, but you stink when the chips come down to it because you proved it every year and you got fucking lucky on that block. I, I concur. I second that and I third that. Can we carry? <laughs> Can we carry the most? <laughs> I was going to laugh. I'm going to save for myself, but you don't have to co-sign on that, Al. This is just my thoughts. This is Adrian's thoughts, but he sucks when it comes down. When, when, when the chips come down to it, he sucks. And he uh, has I, yet to prove me wrong. I, I plead the fifth. <laughs> Dude, that, that says it all. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say at this point. At the very least, the block on the um the block at the um at the end of that game was the least he can do for the way that he didn't show up on the game seven when he had the game in home court against the um the Golden State Warriors and he and he disappeared. 
I, 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 you got to give credit where credit is due. Dort from OKC had him on lockdown. Like, and what made it, <laughs> and what made it, like, that whole series, he had him on lockdown. But it's always that final play. Like, you, I mean, they moved on. So I, I'm not going to knock what, what happened. But throughout that whole series, Dort had his number to an extent. I was just mad because when he got the and rock. he was a rookie, too. <laughs> he got the rock. And I'm thinking, because you see Harden come, I'm like, maybe he's going to do a pump fake and then jump, lean into him and get the foul. But he went, I'm like, yo, pump fake and jump. He was coming at you and jumping. He was going to hit him even if he pump faked him. That was a rookie mistake. And, and he's, a, you know, that's a rookie mistake. And I'm pretty sure CP3 let him know about that. Like, pump fake. If that, if that was Reggie Miller, he would have just not even tried to attempt the shot. He would have just jumped and leaned right into Harden and got the foul. Because guess what? That's what Harden would have done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I plead the fifth. Um, I thought, and bottom line is this. Um, they're there now. Um, I, like I said before, I, I was rooting for um, OKT to win it. Um, so that'd be CP3's vindication, but it didn't happen. Rockets are there now, and they still have a shot. Like they still have a shot to to make this game interesting. So, but like I said, come next week, some people are going to be playing in the in the East North Conference Finals, and some people will be heading home out of the bubble. So, taking their loved ones with them. Yep. <laughs> About to say something about that, <laughs> but I won't. Anyway, so um, uh, so moving on. Football is tomorrow, Thursday. Whew! Thank God. You know, no fans. Eh, but it's still football. Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston um, and Houston Texans toss it up tomorrow night to, to kick off the um, um NFL season. I feel kind of sad because there's been plenty of NFL season kickoff kickoffs that I've watched them in either a sports bar or a sports bar. <laughs> this year with the COVID-19, uh, most sports bars are at 25% capacity. So we'll be watching in there. But guys, with the um, NFL season starting off, um, do you guys have any predictions or any early picks about who might make it to the Super Bowl? <clears throat> Yikes. Super Bowl, you say? I think everybody's on the... Or, or, or Super Bowl and or win their respective divisions. Uh, well, you know, um, I, I guess everybody's on the Tampa Bay bandwagon, you know. They're making sure that Tom's, uh, Tom's testicles are nice and warm in the basement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Making sure he's uh, well-kept and loved and everything like that. Um, uh, I'd be hard-pressed not to sit there and believe that Tom Brady couldn't propel Tampa Bay to the playoffs. Um, hell, Jameis Winston, if, if he just didn't throw one of many pick sixes, they could have made the playoffs last year. He threw for 5,000 yards, but he threw for so many damn interceptions. It, it overshadows the 30-something touchdowns that he passed in the 5,000 yards, which is unfortunate because I love the gunsling, gunslinger mentality of Jameis Winston. 
he just had some really bonehead plays at the wrong time. And I still believe he's going to be a hell of a quarterback in the future. He just needs some time to to get – I think where he is now in New Orleans is the perfect place for him to, to groom on the breeze. And I think Jameis is going to be the man here in the next couple of years. But I digress. Um, I still don't think even with, Tam, uh, with Tom and Tampa that they're going to overtake the Saints. Um, they'll be lucky to catch a wild card, to be honest. Uh Coming out of the NFC, obviously you have the, the usual suspects. Uh, coming out of the East, jeez, be if Dallas doesn't win it this year with all the weapons that they have and the defense and everything that they got going on, something is wrong. But I got a sneaky feeling that New York and their first year head coach going to have a few tricks up their sleeve uh, with Garrett at the offensive coordinator. So it wouldn't shock me if the Giants play pretty well. Uh, obviously, I already called the Saints in the South. Uh, the Central, I still believe, is probably Minnesota's to lose. Uh, the West, God, you know, I hate to be in the NFC West. San Fran, Seattle, LA, Arizona, all of them is going to be, that's going to be a slugfest all the way through. Um, if I had to put my eggs in a basket, probably have to be Seattle. And probably the wild card coming out of the West, uh, the West as well. Um, I'd be hard pressed not to pick my Niners, uh, but nothing's guaranteed in the NFL just because he had a great season last year doesn't mean he's going to do crap this year. But see, Seattle has been the model consistency with Russ at the quarterback. Defense has always been playing tough. I don't see why Seattle couldn't even come out and do whatever. AFC, if this isn't Buffalo's years to shine in the East, they got the most talent, uh, but don't count out Cam in New England. I think Cam has really got a chip on his shoulder right now, and he's going to go out there and really put a foot in so many asses that he's going to show that, you know, y'all wanted to disrespect me and show me that I was in that QB. He's going to come out there and really shine, and he's going to show that he's not the only QB that can sit there and do well with not – above average talent at wide receiver. I'm not saying that the wide receivers they have aren't good. They just aren't great. And I think they're going to go ahead and he's going to show that he could do it just like Tom could do it. Um, AFC South. Ah, uh, shit. <laughs> I don't even know who's in the AFC South, to be honest. Jacksonville. Uh, uh, who is in the South? Got Nobody. Jacksonville. <laughs> you got Jacksonville, Indianapolis, Tennessee, and Houston. Houston. Uh, Houston and uh, Tennessee probably going to battle it out. Uh, Central, God, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Man, that's going to be a slugfest, a slugfest coming out. Probably have to go with Baltimore again with uh, Pittsburgh coming out with the wild card because <clears throat> Ben is going to come back with a, with a vengeance. And then in, in the West, I probably have to go with uh, God. Who's the hell's in the West? Kansas City. Kansas City Chargers, Raiders, Broncos. Oh well, shit, Kansas City. And I think the Raiders are going to sneak up on some people. So, uh, if I had to pick Super Bowl right off the bat, uh, Kansas City. You know what? No. 
I'm going to go out on the limb, and I'm going to say Baltimore coming out of the AFC. Lamar is probably going to vindicate himself and have a, a pretty good playoffs. And I'm going to go and choose – I'm going to go ahead and choose New Orleans out of the South. New Orleans winning it all. And uh, Breeze riding off in the sunset with a championship of the East Coast. All right, so <laughs> I'm going to be a mouthful there. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to make this quick as possible. So, NFC West, I am going to pick your your San Francisco 49ers to do it again, um, at least win that. Um, the issue I have right now would be the NFC North. Um, I have, I, I'm, I, to be honest with you, I I, I want to say the Packers, but I have a sneaking um, feeling that. Minnesota is going to get that in the NFC North. So I'm going to go out on a limb on that. Um, the NFC East, uh, I agree with you, Ace. If Dallas don't make this their year to win the NFC East, this is going to be a problem. I mean, Philadelphia right now, Carson Wentz, even though he's in, he's very injury-prone, um, the Giants is going to make some noise, but I don't know if it's going to be enough. Uh, so it's Dallas's turn to lose, year to lose, bottom line, at this stage. Um, but then again, it's probably another slugfest where all three teams are still fighting in the same position, all have a, a tie at least at the end of the regular season, and it's going to be a tiebreaker to win who's going to win the NFC East. So um, real quick, I think that the Saints are still going to come back and take the North, even though Tampa Bay is going to be right up there with them. So, I mean, the South, even though Tampa Bay is going to be right up there with them. Um, but I don't think that Tampa Bay is not going to have enough to catch up with the Saints. Um, I still got Baltimore in the AFC North, Kansas City in the AFC West, um, Buffalo. I, I want Buffalo to win this one, but I have a feeling, like you said, Ace, that the Patriots is going to stay up there in the AFC mm -hmm. East. Um, I, I agree with you about this Cam situation that needs to be addressed. Um, if his mindset is right, I can see them capturing it some way, shape, or form. And I'm going to go out on a limb because I think even though Houston won it last year in the AFC South, I'm going to go with Tennessee this year. Um, I think that the camaraderie that the, – the, the loss that Houston, Texas just did, um, who they lost, I forgot the wide receiver, uh, escapes me. But when they lost that, that wide receiver, I think it's, it's going to take – yes, it's going to take a step back for them. So I think that Tennessee will have what it takes to at least capture it. Um, AFC, I have, I have Baltimore. Um, but the NFC, I don't have the Saints. I have – I have – actually, I have San Francisco. Mm. So I'm going to go out on a limb on this. I'm going to say San Francisco because of their defense is going to make it in this year against um, Baltimore with Baltimore finally catching that chip. I'm going to be different. Ah, okay. Um, I'm going to start with the AFC. Um, I don't think the Patriots make the playoffs. Oh, all right. Cam is coming there. They, they want to do a little bit better. 
they lost half their defense and was able to replace that. That will catch them. So I'm going to take the Bills um, in the East. Um, in the AFC South, um, I'm going to probably say the Colts are going to surprise some folks. With Rivers? Phillip Rivers finally has, a, finally has a squad that has a better offensive line than he's had in the Chargers in quite some years. I think they might actually surprise some people. Not just saying they're going to win a division. Huh? But does he have the wide receivers? God, he's got a better line. Hmm. Um, not to say that they're going to win it. I still think that's going to be the Texans to win the, the, um, the AFC South. But I think the Colts are going to actually make, make some noise. I agree. Ravens in the AFC North. Um, I want to lean towards the Browns, but they still, I don't know. I, I have to see how they look. Um, but the Chiefs and the Chargers are definitely going to be battling out in the West, and I think it's definitely going to be the, the, the Chiefs to win the West. Um, and the Chargers, wow. Yep. You think Tyrod's uh, Ty going to lead the Chargers? Be surprised. <laughs> uh, do not be surprised. Um, whew. I think uh, that, NF, that NFC North, which is going to be between the Vikes and the Packers, I still want to pick the Packers, but I'm not. Uh, it's a toss-up. Um, the Vikings pretty much returned just about everybody they got, and they, I mean, and they were playing pretty good last year. So I'll, I'll go with the Vikings. Um, I'm gonna go with the 49ers in the in, in the West um, this year again. I'm gonna pick your 49ers. The Rams, um, I'm not sold on them. And the Seahawks are probably gonna make it and make the wild card. Okay. Uh, Bucks and the Saints. I'm gonna go with the Saints. Are gonna win the on the NFC South. The Bucks are good, but I I think they're gonna get a wild card spot. The NFC East. Um, I appreciate that the, you say, guys, say the Giants are going to do better. I think <sighs> my take on the Giants is that, because I haven't seen them, so I can't say anything. My take is that it's going to look bad in the beginning um, for everybody. But then they flip a switch midseason and it starts to click. I think you got Daniel Jones working on his second QB, um, new offensive coordinator. Um it's his second year underneath the center, so he should get his feet a little bit more underneath him. Um, I think you're probably going to see that turn, but I don't think that turn is going to be until midseason going to the end, which is going to roll, I think, next season, where I think they're really going to really going to kick off, providing Barkley doesn't get hurt. Um, but they won't make the playoffs. I'm going to still go with the Eagles to win the division because the Cowboys' secondary is still suspect, very suspect. They signed Earl Thomas. I'll change, my, I'll change my opinion. But no matter who they got on offense, that defense is still suspect, and they haven't addressed anything yet, and they're still going to have the same defensive problems this year that they had last year. So I think the Eagles get in, win the division, but I think the Cowboys are probably making to the playoffs with a wild card spot. As far as everything else after that, I reserve my right to change by the time we, you know, season starts. So I'm leaving it at that. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and pick somebody. We all know that we're probably wrong. 
Oh no, I don't have a, I don't have a pick. Uh, it's I do think of well, may, I'm not going to say the Ravens. I think it's going to be the Chiefs again this year. I think the Ravens are going to be good, but I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year. They're not going to surprise that many people, or at least Lamar Jackson is not going to surprise as many people as he did last season. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of year. There's been a lot of tape. Um, so I think people are going to know how to play him a little bit better. You got the blueprint from, t- from the Tennessee Titans. So if you want to beat them, look at that Tennessee Titan playoff game against the Ravens, and that's how you get them. Yeah, what, if, what if Lamar develops a passing game? And all bets are off. <laughs> but until he shows and proves that, and not just, you know, flinging it up there, but until he shows and proves that he can be a very consistent, accurate passer, because he's, he's not that accurate yet, then I think a lot of people are going to dare him, are going to dare him to throw and can't try to keep him in the box or play keep away. But you need a good run game and get him early on the Ravens to take him out of their, um, their um, game. And then you got to put the ball in um, Lamar Jackson's hands. And if you're going to lose by him throwing, then you lose by him throwing. But you're not going to lose by him by running like that and running an option down down your throat. Right. In the, in the NFC, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> That's going to be a toss. I, I think it's going to be a very competitive NFC in the in um in the in the um the playoffs. But I don't. I can't call it yet. So, I don't know. Oh, but real quick, what do you guys think of Deshaun Jackson getting his money? Um, let me phrase that: getting his contract <laughs> before Dak Prescott. It just shows. That, it just goes to show, in my opinion, that Dallas is full of shit. Uh, but in the same retrospect, if you're looking at just from a playoff standpoint. Um, Deshaun has done more than that. But when it comes to numbers, I think the numbers are comparable. So Dallas sitting over there holding their, you know, holding things close to the vest and twiddling their thumbs, hoping that that proves them wrong. I think they're going to be in for a rude awakening because I think Dak is going to have a hell of a season. And I think Dak is going to do the Kirk Cousins on Dallas and, hang, and handcuff them again for probably uh, taking another uh, franchise tag. Take If he got 33 mil this year, he's probably going to get 40 mil next year. And then Dak is going to take his talents to the next team after two years of the franchise tag. He's going to get nothing but guaranteed money this year and next year. And then probably, if he's smart, will follow the Kirk Cousins uh, blueprint and then get guaranteed money for the next two, three years, whatever team he signs for after that, which will probably be Minnesota because they're going to get sick and tired of Kirk Cousins at that time and then bring Dak over to Minnesota. <laughs> which, not a, which is not a bad, would be a bad look. Exactly. <laughs> would not be a bad look. No, I completely agree with Ace. Um, I, 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 everything Ace said was just facts right off the bat. So I don't have nothing else to add. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Ace. I think the Houston Texans believe um, 
that uh, Deshaun Jackson is their franchise quarterback, and they took care of him with two years left on his contract, just as the Philadelphia Eagles, just as Los Angeles Rams took care of their of their guys who they believe to be their franchise quarterback. Dallas Cowboys, I've said it a couple of times, they still look at Dak Prescott as their fourth-round pick who was supposed to be the backup to Tony Romo. This team that Dak Prescott is playing on, that's supposed to be Tony Romo's team. Yep. They never believed that he was their friend. They believed he was going to be a comparable backup, but they always believed that Tony Romo was their franchise quarterback. If that, if they believed in Dak Prescott, he would have got his contract signed two years ago. As a matter of fact, they would have signed him before they would have signed um, Ezekiel Elliott. And and Amari Cooper. And Amari Cooper. And Amari Cooper, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could have let Amari Cooper go and still got C.D. Lamb and still would have been and could have got somebody else to fill in and still would have been okay. Yep. They could have found somebody free agency a lot cheaper. Yep. yep. So, but uh, um, do, I, do I believe they're going to – he gets a long-term contract, and I think and I think Jerry Jones is probably hoping it's not the case. Jerry Jones would be forced to give him a long-term contract if the Dallas Cowboys make it to the Super Bowl and win a close one, and and um, Dak has hot numbers and wins the MVP. Damn. So in other words, they they just going to let him walk and let Andy Dalton be the uh, starting QB the following season. That's what it sounds like to me. Either they do that, or they see who got the first round pick, maybe be Jacksonville, and trade them. Jacksonville is not giving up on Trevor Lawrence. They're, they are tanking for Trevor Lawrence right now. <laughs> and that was and that was very apparent once they let Linda Fournette go and and. He, <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, you don't you know my plan? <laughs> you basically gift wrapped them to Tom Brady, and Tom Brady was sitting there saying, Thank you <laughs> from across the state. <laughs> and Gardner Minshew is just sitting there, like, like doing a job to vote, and, uh, and <laughs> just sitting there, just like looking around, like, uh, What the hell is going on here? <laughs> and he won out. <laughs> yeah. I won out too. And, and, and sad thing about it is, nobody will probably sign a Gardner Minshew. Exactly. Nope. Like at this point, he should just play the rest of the season out so that he can just build up his brand so that he can, when he does move at the end of the season, he'll be available and they'll have some stats behind it. Yeah, so let that be a cautionary tale to you, um, Garden Minshew. If you play somewhat decent and the Jacksonville Jaguars still wind up number one pick, they're going to do you like they did Josh Rosen with Kyla Murray and they're going to pick Trevor Lawrence. With the without a full college football season played, they're going to pick Trevor Lawrence, and you're going to be like Josh Rosen, getting kicked to the curb to another team, and eventually get kicked to the curb until you're just on playing on the practice squad for um, who is it, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? <laughs> and that boy got the short end of the stick. <laughs> Two bad situations. He can't catch a break to save his damn life. <laughs> so. But like I said, yeah, I, I think short of a Super Bowl game, I, I still think Jerry Jones is not sold to him being for who. Damn, so he he pretty much got to win the whole damn thing. <laughs> it it would it would force Jerry to have to do it 
And I think Jerry may end up doing it, but it'll make Jerry have no choice. And, and there's no trying to renegotiate. It'll be very, Pres- yeah, go ahead. Yeah, if Dak Prescott wins the MVP, which I don't think he is, but let's just say hypothetically, he wins the MVP this season, comes back and wins the Super Bowl. Jerry Jones has absolutely no recourse. You got to get the man a long-term deal. And guess what? The price tag is going to be more than what Deshaun Watson got. Oh, it's going to be close to uh, – it got to be a uh, – it's going to be more than a uh, – It ain't going to be more than Mahomes, but it's going to be in – it's going to be in that room. He's going to be the second pay, second highest paid quarterback. Yeah. Until Lamar Jackson, depending on how his decision mm. goes. Lamar Jackson is hoping Dak has a hell of a good time. Because <laughs> then he could play off of that contract and make Dak the third highest – He'll get the second highest contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he already going to play it off against Deshaun Watson. Like, look, look what Deshaun got. Exactly. Look exactly. what I mean. No one is catching Mahomes at this point with their contract yet. But you know, Lamar is probably the only person that if he has another year and makes it to a Super Bowl and win, he can say, "I did practically the same thing that Patrick Mahomes did." Now what? Well, people are ragging the Mahomes contract because they're saying that Deshaun Watson. In the first two to three years of this contract, it's going to make, going to make earn, excuse me, earn way more money than Mahomes is going to earn in his first three years of his contract. That his contract is all backlabeled. Uh, it's, it's not all back in, but yeah, I think he, the way the way it's constructed, Deshaun makes a little bit more money than Patrick Mahomes the first two, the, the two years. Mm-hmm. But then Mahomes is just outpaces everybody after that. Right. And Kansas City f- insured that contract so they can make sure that <laughs> they get the money. So, um, weapons around him. Not, I, and I understand why Mahomes did it that way. He's allowing Kansas City to get weapons so they can continue to win. But at some point, he's going to want his money. You know, he's going to be like, F you, pay me. <laughs> Uh, re- renegotiate. <laughs> you can't sink another dollar in the joint. F you, pay me. <laughs> oh, you're not selling another hot dog. F you, pay me. <laughs> and when you get all about the joint, you light a fire, light a match, you blow the joint. <laughs> you wave his ass and then take the cat pit for the next three years. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, nice, good, good fellas. Uh, good fellas <laughs> reference. Hey, fellas. Um, and it's about our time. So as much as always, having lots of fun chatting, talking, and shooting the shit. But um, let the folks know where they can find you at. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. You can find me on Twitter at CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. Uh, used to find me frequenting um, Amika Benny's and uh, Knockers one time uh, about 10 plus years ago, but you can find me on <laughs> Snapchat, Twitter, and the Grand, and on J.E. Ross, the number seven. I don't know nothing about that. I do. <laughs> yeah, I <bet. laughs> <laughs> perfection, I can say. <laughs> uh, good thing. <sighs> 
And as always, um, as we always say, everyone out there, um, keep safe. The pandemic is still going on as is. Um, So protect yourself always. Um, And as we always know, you know, justice for Breonna Taylor, justice for all the people who have lost their lives, um, unfortunately, to any kind of brutality, whether it be police or otherwise. Um, We want everybody to be safe. Um, Black lives matter, but in a sense, all lives do matter. But you know, we just want to make sure that um, you know, if you're going to protest, be safe about it. If you're going to protest, be peaceful about it. Um, it's just going to occur, but let's make sure we're smart about it and peacefully protest um, injustice because, in, injustice as it is. Justice somewhere is injustice everywhere. So, um, as I always say, peace, love, and soul. And I bless. Definitely. Yes, yes.